It's raining wine. Well, not quite, but close enough. This is Fiorella de Maria bringing you the early show all the way from a rapidly cooling England. Should I say anything on the programme that strikes a chord, interests you, or, heaven help me, causes you to choke on your alpine muesli? Please let me know. As always, our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. You did hear me correctly. Two million litres of red wine have flooded an entire village in Portugal. It almost has to be seen to be believed. The freak occurrence occurred when two huge wine tanks burst at a distillery and bemused locals stood and watched as an estimated 2.2 million litres. To give you some idea, the equivalent of all the water held in an Olympic-sized swimming pool poured through the streets, swirling around street signs and parked cars. Video footage does... It does look almost as if something apocalyptic has happened. I mean, there's just these, these red waves just pouring through the streets. Um, the distilling company Lavira have apologised for the damage, says it's taken full responsibility for what happened though pointing out this was a really freak accident. They've said that they will cover the costs of cleaning up and repairing the damage. Uh, one house's uh, basement was flooded with wine, though a lot of the wine ended up on local fields. There was a bit of concern this might actually contaminate the river, but they managed to avoid it getting into the river. So um, I don't know if there's... My children were wondering if there were going to be a whole lot of drunk sheep lolloping about um, after drinking little pools of wine in the fields, but it's difficult to know. But can you imagine that happening? I didn't realise this ever could happen. Um, some years ago, three years ago, a village in Italy experienced what they cheekily nicknamed the miracle of Settecani, where uh, one morning the villagers woke up to discover that red wine rather than water was pouring out of the taps when they turned them on. Um it was something quite minor that had happened. A, a valve had been uh, had, had been fitted wrong during a maintenance um, situation, and so instead of water being piped into the bottling plant at the distillery, um, Lambrusco started flowing in the other direction, and the staff did intervene fairly quickly. Uh, but locals had already started bottling the wine. It was pouring out of the tap. So it was yes, known as the miracle of Setekani, um, though it was just a slightly awkward situation. Um, I'd imagine uh, I'd imagine it would be quite annoying for the company and for any connoisseur of wine seeing all that wine pouring about. I don't know. Someone's just put a picture in the chat room. Oh, Maggie has just put a picture in the chat room. I mean, it has to be seen to be believed. All that wine. Um, I'm, I'm quite a fan of wine, so it's both heartbreaking and hilarious at the same time. I, I just, I hate the idea of all that wine pouring away. And yet at the same time, I wouldn't have minded witnessing that just to see something really, really bizarre going on. So um, 
There we are. There's, there's your, I don't know, is that a feel-good start to the day or are you secretly crying thinking of it? Um, Maggie saying, when I saw this yesterday, all I could think of was, where are the people of the town with their buckets? Well, quite. Um, yes, I would have been there trying to capture it. It did remind me slightly of, um, there's a scene in Dickens's Tale of Two Cities where n- nothing quite this drastic happens, but a barrel, a wine barrel, falls off the back of a cart breaks open and pours all over the street and the the poor people of the town rush over to try to drink it and get it into little beakers and you have mothers soaking their handkerchiefs in it and dripping it into the mouths of their poor malnourished babies and of course it's a sort of slightly carnivalesque situation but there's all the symbolism because of course you've got the red wine pouring all over the cobbled streets and very soon revolution comes and there's blood pouring all over the street. So it's got that kind of uh, feel to it. But I couldn't help thinking about that just slightly. Yes, I'm amazed people did not try to salvage at least part of it. Certainly when this happened at Setakani, because it was coming out of the taps, people were just collecting the stuff. I mean, can you imagine that? You wake up one morning, you know, go to, yeah, just wash, get yourself, clean your teeth and all that. You turn on the taps and there's red wine gushing into the basin. I mean, it's just, you know, you couldn't make it up. Um, I would certainly have made the most of this. It is, I think it should be National International Red Wine Day forevermore in, you know, some kind of celebration of what happened in Portugal today or yesterday. But it is, in fact, National Chocolate Milkshake Day. It's also National Ants on a Log Day. Now, does this have some hidden meaning I don't know anything about? Because why would you celebrate that? National Day of Encouragement. You're all wonderful. Okay, National Report Medicare Fraud Day. That's a bit sad. Let's just let's just concentrate on wine and milkshakes, shall we? Um, apparently, on Chocolate Milkshake Day, you're supposed to well have lots of chocolate milkshakes. Obviously, I, I think that's quite a nice idea. I wouldn't mind, but also to try out different kinds of chocolate milkshake. You could have a chocolate milkshake with chia seeds to make it really healthy, or you could try different flavoured chocolates. So choc and mint milkshake, choc and orange milkshake, uh, choco coffee milkshake. I'm trying to think of other kind of combinations of chocolates you could have. Is this something anyone really does? Do you enjoy chocolate with different flavours attached? Some people cannot stand it. I love mint chocolate, but... Chocolate coffee? I don't know. You can probably keep. But choco mint, I definitely would. Anyone have a favourite when it comes to, well, not just chocolate on its own, but chocolate milkshake specifically? Right. Let me know in the chat room. Anyway, I have two heartwarming stories today that I was I was going to share anyway, but it got trumped by the, the wine story. I, I couldn't let that one pass. In Britain, I mean, there are there are a number of very famous and very prestigious concert halls, which any professional musician is desperate to get the chance to play at. The Barbican, the Royal Albert Hall, the Queen Elizabeth Hall. There are, there are quite a few, uh, many of them in London, but not all of them. And it's every musician's dream that you get the chance to play in one of these places. My sister has played in most of them. In fact, she's played in Queen Elizabeth. She's played in um, the Barbican. She played a, a harp concerto at the Barbican. She's played at the Albert Hall, um, done children's concerts at the Albert Hall. So 
it is very exciting to get the chance to do this. But this musician got his big break at the last moment. And I cannot believe he was so brave. Um, Denise M, good morning. Another nightmare adventure with Doodlebug uh, last night, but I got to sleep in my own bed mostly. Oh, bless you. I hope, I hope you're all right. I hope he's all right. Aha, ants on a log is a food. Thank you, Philip. That looks horrible. It, it does actually look like there are ants on there. It's a snack made by spreading peanut butter, cream cheese, ricotta cheese, or another spread on celery, pretzels, or bananas, and placing raisins on top. The snack and its name are presumed to be from the... Uh, can't read the rest of that to... Um, hang on. Uh, from the... No, it won't tell me the rest. Okay. That's the idea. So it is a food. It is a food, not actually actual ants on a log. I can't stand celery, so it probably would have to be... I'm not sure I can quite stomach bananas with cream cheese on them, so it would have to be a pretzel. Can you do that with pretzels? Well, there we go. Okay. Maggie's saying, I do like peanut butter with celery, but I don't put the raisins in the mix. I don't know. They just look weird. Am I allowed to say that? I just think the textures would be very, very peculiar, and I don't like celery at all. One of my abiding memories, I have many memories of my mother-in-law's funeral, God rest her dear soul, almost exactly a year. And one of them was at the reception afterwards, you know, where they get the nibbles out and, you know, there's wine and things to eat and people can chat and reminisce. And it's a way of diffusing a lot of the, the distress. People ate really well. Um, I think people do eat when they're upset. And at the end, I just remember there being plates full of celery. That was the only thing that was left. Celery sticks. A lot of them. And I valiantly attempted to eat one to encourage my little nephew. And it was still horrible and it still tasted of soap. Uh, I had not remembered wrong from my childhood. I, I don't get celery sticks at all. Uh, Maggie's saying they're very weird, but a great gimmick to get kids to eat a healthy snack. That's the idea, isn't it? That's that's the, the point. OK, I get it. I get the, the general idea that this might persuade children to eat celery, but it wouldn't persuade me to eat celery. So um, so I, I wouldn't hold out too much hope for my children. But it doesn't have to be celery. It could be banana. Couldn't it? Bananas are healthy. There we go. Um, it is 21 minutes past the hour. You are listening to The Early Show with your hostess from across the pond, Fiorella de Maria. If you have missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of The Early Show as a podcast, same day, from crusademax.com. We have been talking about an entire Portuguese village being flooded with red wine after two huge wine tanks burst, sending 2.2 million litres of red wine cascading down the streets, swirling around street signs, surrounding the parked cars and generally causing mayhem. Um, I do want to see if there are any drunk sheep by the end of the day or drunk anybody for that matter. We have also been talking about National Chocolate Milkshake Day. Do you have a favourite milkshake? Do you like chocolate milkshake with different flavours attached? Chocolate milk milkshake. Chocolate coffee milkshake, you get it. Let me know, please, in the chat room. I've also just discovered what ants on a log are. Um, I don't know. Jacqueline is making the point it takes more calories to digest celery than you get from eating celery. Therefore, it's a good diet food. 
as long as you don't put all the other stuff on it, it's really good fiber. Also goes very well with spicy chicken wings. Okay, maybe you just have to have it with something. Maybe that's the, the issue here. Have it with something. But anyway, yes, every musician wants that big break, wants to have the opportunity to play in a really prestigious location. And this is exactly what happened to Alim Beysembayev. I hope I'm saying his name right. Um, he had uh, hoped, of course, to make his debut at the BBC Proms, but it didn't happen quite the way he expected. The BBC Proms, it's the major concert season um, in Britain, in London. You have concerts, usually two a night, one early in the evening, one very late, all the way through the summer. And they're called the proms because besides buying seats in the auditorium of the Royal Albert Hall, you can walk, you can get prom tickets and you can stand in the stalls or you can stand up in the gallery. There's a gallery that goes all the way around. The, the, the Royal Albert Hall, you've probably seen pictures of it, it's a round shape. And so there's this gallery where you can walk literally all the way around. And in Victorian times, when it was built, um, it was it was dedicated just after Prince Albert died, which is why Queen Victoria, completely on the spur of the moment, dedicated it uh, and named it the Albert Hall. Uh, people used to walk around smoking, chatting. The whole etiquette around concerts was completely different. But it does mean it is very popular. And a lot of people get the chance to hear really excellent live music who would not normally be able to afford it. I used to go all the time when I was working in London because you could get a, a prom ticket for just a few pounds. And it was wonderful. I heard some stunning music. I used to sit in the gallery on a cushion uh, with some snacks and my notebook, writing poetry with all the lovely shimmering strings and things wafting up to me. And I could pretend I was, you know, a tormented poet. So this is a good thing. But in this case, this 25-year-old pianist, I'll just call him Alim because um, I'm not absolutely convinced I'm saying his name right. And I have a horror of mispronouncing names, as you know. He was asked, he'd won at the Leeds piano concerto sorry leads piano competition in 2021 so he's a you're talking about a really good musician here and he got a call asking if he could step in for benjamin grosvenor who had been taken ill so after just one rehearsal he's playing rachmaninoff's famous second piano concerto to a sold out albert hall and of course it was filmed. So not only was it to a sold out, packed out Royal Albert Hall, it was also televised by the BBC and broadcast all over the world. You can see his hands trembling as he lays them on the keyboard. As he said to BBC Radio 3 straight after the concert, I wasn't expecting this two days ago, but it was really thrilling really great to be here so this was part of a concert by john wilson's symphonia it also included um uh, louis boulanger's tone poem de matin du printemps and walton's first symphony despite his nerves the kazakhstan-born pianist's debut received glowing reviews the guardian said that he reeled off the concerto as if he was to the manner born sparkling technique rhythmic control dynamic range the times described him as hugely impressive a high stakes electrifying performance that marked the youngster out as a name to follow 
the Rachmaninoff concerto, it's very, very recommend, um, recognizable. I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit like, I'm trying to think of the equivalent with other instruments. It's a very, very recognizable piece, very much part of the canon. And it's been heard in Brief Encounter, in Seven Year Itch. It's one of those, uh, one of those concertos that appears on the silver screen from time to time. Um, I didn't realise it actually inspired the melody of um, produced by rock band All By Myself, which was uh, on the B Bridget Jones's movie. There we go. You learn something new every day. So the pianist was told he had ditched sugar for heroism, sentiment for noble eloquence. It was an ear-boggling transcription of the infernal dance. Oh, gosh. Um, oh, he did an encore. He did uh, Stravinsky's ballet, The Firebird, an ear-boggling transcription of the infernal dance. That's really, really difficult. So he got, um, he's, he's been accepted onto the New Generation Talent Development Scheme. And he said it was a snap decision. He got a phone call saying, would you like to play? You can't turn down a possibility like that. So he said, yes. And he said, that was um quite a Friday morning. He said he was then got, he was then told, at a later phone call that it was going to be televised. So he said he'd had other plans for the weekend. He was going to cook himself a nice dinner, listen to Ben Grosvenor on the radio. Instead, he's found himself out there performing. So well done, Aleem. I think that is wonderful. You know, and it's one of those success stories you just, you know, you just want to revel in. Well done. I hope he's got a really glittering future. Aha. Okay. Um, Jacqueline's explaining about celery. Um, it goes well with spicy chicken wings because it neutralizes the heat. And something cute. Thank you so much. Who is that little boy? Tell us more about him. That's really, really sweet. Thank you. Pictures of children and food and sweet animals are definitely a really good idea. In fact, I've got to put something into the chat room, which is just so adorable. I cannot let it go. Um, it makes me want, I don't know, what is the dog owner's equivalent of being broody? Can someone help me with this? Um, what would you call... What would you call a dog owner who, who suddenly feels this desperate urge to get another dog? Um, because the lady who's the breeder who sold me my little dog, um, Monty, as we call him, her one of her other dogs has just had another litter of chalky puppies. I'm just I've just put one into the chat room because they have to be seen to be believed. They're so tiny. They're so tiny. They fit into the palm of the hand. Can you actually believe anything that very very small and sweet exists? Aren't they just unbelievably beautiful? Um, I'm just going to put another one in just so you can see the scale, the size of the things. Um, yeah. Maggie's saying, oh, wow, that pup is very tiny. I actually think, maybe someone can help me with this as well, I think that Chalkies are the world's smallest dogs. I mean, they are really very, very tiny dogs um, and just so adorable. And at this stage, they are so small that they literally do fit into the palm of your hand. And even when they stop growing, they're not that big. Um, I mean, that little pup I've put into the chat room weighs only 97 grams so less than a kilo and they're so newborn they haven't even yet opened their eyes and i just thought oh want want so much could i could i give monty a little brother would that be allowed oh would he want it um 
Oh, good morning, Paul. What kind of dog is that? It's a chalky, so it's a cross Chihuahua and Yorkshire Terrier. So they tend to end up looking like miniature Yorkies, um, and they are unbelievably sweet. Um, oh, Dr. Torres is saying, yeah, 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 cute now, a menace later. Anyone who wants more dogs after already having them is referred to as a off-the-cot. Don't do it for your other files. Um, uh, the things that when they're so small, I know you said they're a menace later, no more dogs. No, but the thing is, because they are so tiny, I mean, our dog is, is smaller than some cats. Seriously, he is so small, but he's house trained and generally fairly obedient and doesn't run in front of cars and stuff like that or bring dead pigeons into the house. So he's sort of the perfect pet, really small, but just very very cute and you know we're so attached to him now we can't imagine life four years later we we can't imagine life without monty he's just such a huge part of our household and so i see the little dogs i just think oh i wonder if we could you know is it time to get number two or should we wait a bit longer um my husband is saying no 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 but then he said that the first time so there you go it's just possible I might be able to persuade him. Or maybe I just need to be sensible about this this time and wait. Maybe it's a later litter. They're allowed, according to the rules of the Kennel Club over here, I don't know if there are similar rules in the US, there probably are, um, no no dog should have more than four litters uh, for its own safety. It's, it's to try to prevent uh, dog abuse, basically, where you, you get sometimes particularly very desirable breeds where they get forced to have litter after litter after litter. Because, of course, the puppies are valuable. Um, little dogs like that, they'll go for a £1,000 each these days. Um, so a greedy breeder could be tempted to just overdo it. Um, and so they say no more than four litters. This is this first the, the first litter for this dog. So, you know, maybe I'll wait till she's on litter number four, you know. <laughs> um Patriot 21, I com I agree completely. I'm being ganged up on. Um, Dr. Torres, you also have to remember they don't live as long as we humans. That means you'll be a complete crying wreck when they pass. I know, and that is what I'm dreading so much. And I, part of me thinks if I, have, if I have multiple dogs, maybe it will ease the pain slightly. Hmm? Um, Patriot 21, God created everything, therefore he created animals. But the devil came along and said, aren't they cute? Turn them into pets. Oh, come on. You know, there are so many good reasons to have a pet. Is this going to be the controversy of the show today? Are we pro-pets or against pets? Is there any good reason not to have a pet? I need to know now. Let's have a little let's have a little argument, shall we? Um, be thinking about that subject as we go to the ad break, because it is now time to go to the ad break. I'm going to top up my coffee um, or I might even get myself a nice Earl Grey hot you are listening to The Early Show. Our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Do talk to me. Do join the conversation. Put your pictures of cute animals in the chat room. And The Early Show will continue in a few moments there are already there are already points coming into the chat room. Sign it, sign into that chat room. Why are you still This is going to really create a beautiful debate. How can cute little puppies do that? Anyway, you keep thinking about it. You keep coming into the chat room, and I will see you in just about five minutes. The early show will continue very soon here on the Crusade Channel. 
Live Talk Radio, the way it should be. and insomniacs and those of you catching the show's rebroadcast at midday for those of you just joining us you are listening to the early show with your hostess from across the pond Fiorella Di Maria our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723 that's 844-527-8723 and the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary and cute pictures as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat do talk to me do join the conversation as you enjoy a healthy breakfast of alpine tropical muesli and a good large chocolate milkshake to celebrate national chocolate milkshake day if you've missed the show so far get a better alarm clock but you can also get the whole of the show as a podcast same day from crusademax.com we have been talking about the village in portugal that was due to a freak accident flooded with red wine the other day 2.2 million litres of wine equivalent to the entire contents of an Olympic-sized swimming pool swirled through the streets and into the nearby fields. They just about avoided getting it into the rivers. And this echoes a, in some ways, funnier story from three years ago, the miracle of Setacani a little village in Italy where everyone woke up one morning to find that wine, not water, was flowing out of the taps. Just as people had started to bottle it, the distillery were very unsporting and solved the problem, a valve malfunction. It is also, yes, National Chocolate Milkshake Day. Are you a milkshake fan? Are you a chocolate milkshake fan? Do you like your chocolate with a hint of mint, caramel, coconut, whatever, attached, or does it have to be pure unadulterated chocolate it's also national ants on a log day i've just discovered what this this very odd attempt at getting children to eat a healthy snack looks like and national report medicare fraud day oh dear oh dear yes we have nhs fraud as well to be honest so it does happen and national day of encouragement you're all marvelous you're all so special do you know there is some mysterious person on my street, there's, there's a, a little a primary school just around the corner from me. And at the beginning of term, every term, they get their coloured chalks out and write encouraging and inspiring messages all over the pavements for the children to see as they walk to school. Anyone who's ever 
failed to make a mistake, has never tried. You are brave. You are wonderful. You are stronger than you think. If you see someone without a smile, give them one of yours. You can be whatever you want to be in all of this. Uh, inspiring, inspiring stuff. Trite, sorry, no, really inspiring stuff. Okay, every single term. So whoever you are, that's lovely. Could you, could you stick to maybe positive things that are true, maybe? Just saying, but I doubt he's listening. He or she is listening to the Crusade channel this morning. But yes, this, encouragement is a wonderful thing. Um, I don't know if I'm making my children cynical, but it was when my son said, oh, um, what was it? Be yourself. I was like, yeah, tell that to a serial killer. There we go. I don't suppose I can complain because I'm a tiny bit cynical myself, as you probably already noticed. We have also been talking about pets. I put the most adorable pictures of my friend's new puppies. They are so small. They're one of the smallest, if not the smallest, breed of dog available. They are so tiny, these newborns. Their eyes have not yet opened, and they fit into the palm of the hand. They are so small and so adorable. I'm thinking, whatever the equivalent of broodiness is in dog owners, I would really suddenly love to get another dog. This seems to have gone down like a lead balloon in the chat room. Don't do it, says Dr. Torres. Completely agree, says Patriot21. Um... Kenny B saying pets cause global warming. Jacqueline is saying ignore Patriot 21. It can be a bit of a pain in the butt when it comes to pets. Right. Um, PDCCO, good morning. Um, well, you see, I think that um, the, the issue about global warming, warming is a genuinely interesting topic because there may be a case for saying that domestic pets are bad for the environment. There may be a case for saying that. Ah, oh, uh, Paul C is saying, I prefer a chocolate malt over the plain chocolate shake. Chocolate peanut butter malt is great. Oh, I think that'll be a bit too rich for me. But chocolate malt, I think we'd call that Ovaltine. Chocolate malt, I think, over here is Ovaltine. It's hot, though. It's served hot. I do like that of an evening, just as a nice soothing drink. Philip is saying that we have, they have kitchen faucets now that you can hook a keg of wine or any other beverage to and switch between water and your favourite beverage right at the tap. That is wonderful. Um, that, that's actually quite a nice idea. Um, but yes, do pets cause global warming? Come on, this is interesting. Now, I would argue, and I'm possibly going to make myself extremely unpopular now, that um, cats are worse for the environment than dogs. And I'll tell you why, because millions of wild animals die in this country every year as a result of domestic pets. They have noticed, for example, that birds, rodents, um, squirrels, badgers, hedgehogs, not, not badgers so much, they're quite aggressive over here, but um, they, they tend to be targeted by cats, not so much dogs. But of course, in many cases, those wild animals are things like rats. And do you know, cats provide a very good service in keeping the rat population down. There's a massive rat problem uh, near my children's ice rink because some woman feeds them. I mean, it actually sprinkles grain out for them. There are now about 30 rats. It's a complete health nightmare. So they do some good, but they do also attack a lot of birds. And it's very noticeable in, in neighbourhoods where there are a lot of cats. There just aren't as many birds flying about. So is there a, a 
possibly an argument for saying maybe you shouldn't have pet cats unless they are there to protect your farm from rodents. Is that controversial? Can we say that? Mm-hmm. I'm just bracing myself. It's all gone nice and quiet. Okay, we're probably all right for the moment. Ah, uh, the other story that was uh, in the first segment I forgot to mention was a young pianist. He's only 25 years old. At the last moment, agreed to stand in for an eminent pianist at the Royal Albert Hall at one of their televised, very high-profile prom concerts. He did it masterfully. Apart from his poor little fingers trembling on the keyboard as he prepared to play, he played with incredible confidence. It was a wonderful debut, though not quite the one he was expecting and really hoping that you know he'll, he'll do well out of that. And it did leave, leave me wondering, have you ever had the situation where you have had to step in at the last moment? Maybe not quite that dramatically, but have you ever had that sort of situation where you know someone's got ill or something and you have had to just stand in for them? You know, whatever it was. Because the nearest equivalent to this I ever had was when I was at school. Um, I was in the chapel choir. So in our in our chapel, there was a gallery at the back with the organ and where the choir sat. And we're all sitting, waiting for chapel assembly to start. It's a very important assembly because it's where the confirmation candidates get um, get put forward. You know, their names get called and out they come. So there's a lot of people there. There's parents there. It's a big event. And where's the choir mistress? The head of music, who normally plays the organ, is not there. So we're sitting there and sitting there. And suddenly, the nicest... The nicest teacher, they, they deliberately picked on the really nice teacher, came creeping up the stairs saying, Fiorella, would you like to play the organ? And the other girls were saying, no, don't do it. Don't, don't let them make you do that. They said, no, 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 don't, don't do it. And I was about to say, I, I really don't think when the headmistress announced, Fiorella has very kindly agreed to stand in for Miss Radford, who is currently indisposed. She'd overslept. She's currently indisposed. I snatched the list of hymns from Dr. Turnbull's hands and sat at the organ and it was literally, and now we'll have our first hymn. Everyone stands up and I didn't even have the chance to rehearse. I just had to play everything. And I will say the, the head of music was not especially fond of me to put it mildly, but she was pathologically nice to me for a few weeks after that. Oh, what is that horrible thing, Dr. Torres? Oh, how could you? Ah, uh, that's really horrible. There's a, there's a dog in a state of panic because that's a, oh, that, that has to be seen to be believed. That is so horrible. It's a cake. The shape realistically of a small dog. And there's a dog in a state of panic watching as its head gets cut off. That's really, really creepy, Dr. Torres. I'm actually feeling quite, yes, Jacqueline and Maggie agree with me. That is too, too horrible. Um, um, Jacqueline is asking, is there beer on home tap? Well, you can get beer kegs with little taps, can't you? you can, just, oh, I've got, da, 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 da. can people put some comments into the chat room to get rid of that picture? I'm feeling generally quite queasy. It keeps replaying their head coming off with a big spoon. Um, Yes, the only Josh K thinks it's hilarious. Am I the only, I'm not the only person. Yes, Jacqueline and Maggie are on my side. The ladies are on my side. No, it is not cute. Dr. Torres, that is not cute. Um, 
Um, Denise M, I've seen that before. Oh, well, I haven't, so it's an almighty shock to me. The only Josh K comments. Yes, thank you. That's all you need to do is just put the word comments into the chat room. Right, I can no longer see it. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Maggie. That's, that's a lovely, there's a, it's a, a cow, cow-shaped cake with roses. Happy second birthday. I can't see the name, but there we are. Happy, that's a cute cake. Thank you. Um, Oh, Jack, yes, that is actually saying it's a very cute cake. Thank you so much. I can feel myself starting to relax. Thank you. Um, Dr. Torres, you only come into the chat room to wind me up, let's face it. And you do do it so well. And Jacqueline saying, 25 years ago, I stepped in for a middle school science teacher in the middle of the year. That was my first teaching experience. Gosh, that's quite something. Well, somebody once had to do that for me. I felt awful about it afterwards. I was um, supposed to be helping at a Catholic summer school. Um, I suppose you call it a summer camp. Um, it was a week long uh, session where, you know, the Catholic children, most of them homeschooled, uh, get together. They'd have classes in different subjects, uh, but also you know, lots of games and theatre and music. It, it was a really nice occasion. But I was asked if I would come and do a couple of classes um, on two literature topics. I was, you know, very well versed in. I was heavily pregnant at the time. And that morning I was just packing my bag, you know, dashing around doing a few quick chores before getting on my train and I collapsed. Boom. As if, you know, lights out, no, no warning. And the doctor who, uh, who spoke to me said, look, I think you, you just fainted because you are pregnant and, you know, your blood pressure is very low. However, because you have chest pains and you're having trouble breathing, even though you, you say you've got a chest infection, there is a possibility this is masking something a lot more serious. You need two days of bed rest. Sorry, you, you, um, you, your mum blurted out that you're about to get on a train. You weren't thinking of getting on that train, were you? And of course, I had every intention of getting on the train. I was like, oh, yes, doctor, thank you. Thank you for the advice. And she was like, no, you really must not get on that train. Because if you collapse again, mid-journey, you know, we may not be able to get people to you in time. Okay, and it will not be fair for the other passengers. It won't be fair for anybody. All right, you know, please think of your baby. Um, that was a bit of a shock. A pro-life campaign to think of your baby. So, of course, I realised I couldn't go and I was literally about to leave. So I had to phone a friend who I knew was also going to be helping out at the camp. And I said, look, I am really, really sorry. Doctor's orders. I can't get to the camp. Can you please step in for me? And she was also um, an English graduate. We had similar academic backgrounds. So I knew she could do it. I talked her through what I was going to be discussing. She said, yes, 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 yes. She knew the poems quite well. She said, yes, I can do that. Um, she said afterwards she had a really hard time. She said one of the homeschooled kids just really had it in for her teaching methods and, and was really arguing and arguing and arguing, even though, in fact, this woman was a perfectly competent teacher and knew, knew her stuff and um, was teaching it very well. This young girl was really determined to argue the point ad nauseam so at some ways i was quite relieved i wasn't there but i did feel a bit awkward that this person then had to take this um here we are our pictures of pictures of dog it's that's so sweet oh no they're not they're not real dogs they're, they're dog they're dog slippers that's so sweet but the dog thinks that they're real dogs um dr torres is it, see that dogs are tricky steal bites of your food um Yes, it is true. You have to guard your food fairly carefully with a dog. Little dogs aren't quite so bad. We had a Labrador when I was growing up. Labradors will literally eat anything. I mean, they are complete dustbins. They will eat anything. 
um, my Labrador actually managed to completely consume my birthday cake uh, when, when I was a child. So completely did he consume it that there was not one crumb left. My mother had no idea where she'd put it. She was hunting around the kitchen saying, I could have sworn I left it on that table. Didn't I leave it on that table? Maybe I put it away. She's searching through all her cake tins. Where is the cake? The doggy had eaten the cake, a huge fruit cake. Um, it did mean I got a really good last minute replacement from the baker, though. No offence to mum, but it was a really good cake. Uh, but no, little dogs don't really do that. For a start, they can't reach. Um, but they tend to be a lot more picky about eating. They've got very small stomachs. Dr. Torres, a menace. Um, no, I don't agree with you. No, you're going to have to try a lot harder than that to convince me. Um, please don't put anything really gross in the chat room. Will you, Dr. Torres? Please. It is 57 minutes past the hour. You are listening to The Early Show with your hostess, your dog-loving hostess, Fiorella de Maria. If you've missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of The Early Show as a podcast, same day, from crusademax.com. And we have been talking about, in no particular order, the Portuguese village flooded with red wine. Hooray, or not, perhaps. National Chocolate Milkshake Day, and what kind of milkshakes do you like? And what kind of chocolate do you like? National... Ants on a log day. No, I'm not trying that snack. I'm sorry, I'm not sold on this. And a heartwarming story. A young pianist got to step in for uh, a master at the very last minute. He got to play at the Royal Albert Hall and did a wonderful job, considering he had less than two days notice that this had happened. Have you ever had to stand in at the last moment? for anyone, for a colleague, for a friend, and what was it like? And I put pictures of puppies up in the chat room because I'm suddenly getting this overwhelming urge to get another dog. And a lot of attempts are being made in the chat room to persuade me it's a really bad idea. Um, let's just see if I could be persuaded by the end of the show. Um, CRT Irwell, love my labs. On my fourth one, he's an 11-year-old lab. They are a mess, but I love them. They are they're, they're perfect family pets. So loyal, so loving, so stupid. Our Labrador, I mean, he was he was actually a Labrador cross. He was a collie, an English collie cross Labrador, but he was very Labrador, in fact, in terms of the mix. He was the most wonderful dog. He really was so loyal, so lovely, and just unbelievably stupid. I mean, so stupid. I, I've never, I mean, you could just see the accidents happening. There was one glorious time where he decided he was in a field, um, and he started licking a calf, which was very sweet of him, except the mama cow did not like this at all. He only just got out of the field in time. Um, fortunately, I was not walking him the day he stuck his head in a cow pat. The whole of his head in a cow pat. And uh, my mother was walking him and she said it was just horrible walking him home covered in cow dung. Um Oh, CRT, oh, I think one of mine ate an entire ham. Yes, you can't help but love them. And those eyes, they just melt you. Absolutely. Um, an entire ham. Do you know, I heard of a priest whose dog, and a lot of priests have dogs, which I think is, is great. You know, it's um, good company and security sometimes. And he was preparing a haunch of venison. This is a lot of venison because he had guests coming. The doorbell rang. He went to greet his guests, and by the time he got back to the dining room, the dog was lying curled up on the floor, 
very much satiated, having devoured the entire haunch of venison in just those couple of minutes it took for him to go to the front door to greet his guests. History does not rate really what happened, does not recall what happened afterwards. How did he explain to his guests that they're going to be eating sandwiches for lunch? Um, Philip. So this guy walks into a pub and sits down at the bar. Placing his bag on the floor, he slides out a tiny little grand piano stool and a little man in a tiny tux. He sits at the little piano and starts playing Mozart. The bartender is completely blown away by what he's seeing and asks the guy, how is this possible? The man replies, I happened upon this magic lamp with a genie inside that grants wishes. Would you like to try? The bartender, very excited, says, yes. He rubs the lamp. The genie pops out and bartender says, I wish for a million bucks. The next thing he knows, there are a million, bu- million ducks flying over the bar, making a huge racket and mess. The bartender, frustrated, says to the man, this genie is worthless. The man, oh no, I walk into these things, don't I? The man replies, no kidding, do you honestly think I asked for an eight-inch pianist? Well, thank you, Philip, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, <laughs> Dr. Torres, oh look, the, yes, the barcuterie board, this is great. Doggy treats, thank you. Yes, Maggie will love that, I love that too. Um, CRTO, they're also very in tune. In tune. When my husband was recovering from his widow-maker heart attack, my sweet Mo was so good and attentive. They are. They are incredibly like that. Um, I, I've got two stories like that, in fact. Um, my parents had this little Westie, which I have to say I did not get on with at all. I don't like West Highland Terriers very much. Um, they sort of bite your ankles and things. But um, I went back to my parents to convalesce this years ago before I was married um, after an eye operation, and I couldn't see so I was a bit worried about this dog barking and yapping around around my feet. I thought I'm going to step on him. But, you know, as soon as I stepped into the room, as, in, as soon as I stepped into the house, the dog knew something was wrong. Westies are virtually blind sometimes, so he couldn't see that I had bandages all over my face. And, do you know, he trotted after me and I sat down on the sofa. Someone Someone guided me to a chair. I sat down and he jumped on the sofa next to me and just started licking me and nuzzling up to me. He was so sweet. He just knew. And in fact, my dog did something very similar when I had surgery just before COVID. He just, he's, I was lying on the sofa. He just sat on my chest and refused to move, refused to leave because he, he needed to guard me, this tiny dog. Um, and he did. He just stayed near me all the time I was convalescing. Um, in fact, my very, very docile, very stupid Labrador growing up one of the few occasions I saw him get really aggressive was when I was about 11. And um, let's just see that. Let's just say we were walking in the woods, and there was um, there was a man up to no good in the woods, um, no good to me, as it were. And I screamed as soon as the man called me, and I turned around, and I realised what he was going to do. I screamed and ran. The dog, who was some way behind, sniffing at blades of grass or something, heard me scream, and he went running towards me, teeth bared. And, you know, if that man had tried to pursue me, I think my dog would have killed him. Soppy Labrador as he was, the loyalty is so strong, the the need to protect the master, um, particularly when the master is a child and quite small. Um, I honestly think my dog would have killed that man if he'd had to. 
Um, it was I've never seen anything like it. So, so yes, I have a lot of time for dogs. You know, they are man's best friend in every sense of the word. Um, CRTO, well, oh, those yummy treats. They love them. They are really good. Um, Lady Bellarmine, my mother-in-law's dogs used to sit underneath my children's high chairs. They cleaned the floor every time the kids ate. Perfect. There we are. Absolutely perfect. You know, you've got you've got you've got your own built-in Hoover, your live Hoover. You never even have to change the bag. Um, suits me fine. Sorry, vacuum cleaner. Um, I think dogs dogs are a wonderful companion. They're also, in fact, very good for children with special needs, um, because I didn't realise this when we first got our dog, but. My son loved playing with him and petting him, and it would really calm him down. And in fact, my cousin, who is a special needs teacher, said, yes, uh, a lot of autistic people have therapy dogs for that reason, because they do have a very, very calming effect on them, which is just wonderful, because then once they're calm, it's easier for them to focus, to learn, to get on with their lives. So there's a, there's a lot of good that comes from having a dog in the house. Um CRTO, well, oh, that's so sweet. When my son was four years old, we just moved into our house. The one and only time my son ever walked in his sleep, unbeknownst to my hubby or I, our son made his way outside in the middle of the night. Our black lab, Mabel, my son's best dog, woke us up and took us outside to him. I'll never forget it. Miss that dog. Wow. You know, these, these stories are just so heartwarming and it's so instinctive. It's, it's so instinctive with dogs that they are just so loyal like that because I suppose they're pack animals. And I do find it interesting that um, most animals seem to understand intuitively if they're dealing with a child human as opposed to an adult and behave accordingly. When there was that terrifying story, which I featured on the, the early show years ago, I think that was months ago, um, about that five-year-old boy years ago in, um, it must be about gosh, must be nearly 40 years ago, in London Zoo, uh, a five-year-old boy fell into a gorilla pit and they were terrified. I mean, everyone was terrified, including the, the zookeepers, that the gorillas were going to attack this child. But of course, they could see he was only a cub. So the, the mama gorilla, who was the really aggressive one, went over to him, patted him on the head and guarded him. Wouldn't let any of the other gorillas near him. It's incredible. Um, Maggie saying, our little Boston Terrier would do the same when I was ill. She used to beg to go outside at least 10 times a day for the restroom, but really to play. When I was ill, she'd basically hold it almost all day because she knew I was ill. She would just lay right next to me until I felt better than um, it was game on and back to 10 times a day needing to go outside. Miss my little Gracie. Oh, CRT over. I think that's so sweet. I think that's sweet as well. Of course, yes, I remember that story. It was it was a terrifying story, and when it happened, you know, and I say it was nearly it was well, I can tell you when it was. It was um, should we say it was thirty something years ago, because the child who fell was quite a similar age to me, as I recall, and yeah, it was, and and you saw it on television. Somebody happened to be filming. Because in those days, people didn't have camera phones and things, so you didn't get a lot of amateur footage. But someone happened to have a camcorder and they saw it happen. They saw him, this five-year-old boy, lying unconscious in this gorilla pit with the gorillas gathering round him. I mean, as a parent, I could feel my heart racing thinking about it. The only difficulty was that, of course, because the mama gorilla then protected him, when the paramedics wanted to get in to treat this child, the mama gorilla was having none of it. 
And they had to, there was this really complex operation that got shown in a documentary later, where they had to sedate the gorillas in order to allow the paramedics to get in safely to reach the child, treat him minimally on the ground, get him into, get him onto a stretcher and get him out. Um, no, it's terrifying. Um, Philip, I had a husky that in a fit of anger over being left home, decided to take a huge plastic, a large plastic bottle of pasta sauce off the shelf and open it on the couch. Sauce was everywhere, looked like a CSI crime scene when we got home. Yes, this is the problem with big dogs. That they, that I can completely get that, that big dogs can be quite a nightmare. Actually, my Labrador um, did something awful to me when, when I was, uh, I must have been about 11 or 12. It was just one of those situations. I can still feel my heart thumping seeing this happen. I used to take him everywhere with me. And I went to the corner shop to get an ice cream or something. I tied his lead to the big metal bin outside, thinking it would hold him. He was, in fact, a lot stronger than that, and the bin was not cemented to the ground. So he moved slightly, and it started to move. It started to scrape, and he panicked. I don't know what he thought it was, and took off down the road with this massive metal bin attached to his lead. And he ran and ran, and this thing was clattering away, rubbish strewn everywhere, you know, food wrappers, the lot, all over the road. And I was screaming, come back! And I couldn't get him to stop because all he could hear was the bang, bang, bang of the, the bin behind him. And he was too stupid to realise he was making the noise. He finally made it home. And I found him hiding in the garden, um, trying to work out how to get his lead off. That was a really bad moment. Facing my parents with that was really difficult. Um, Weissenberger wife. Oh, look, a little dog. There we are. Yay. Not sure why we're talking about dogs, but here's ours. <laughs> yes, um, it's because... It, 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 I love this with the early show. We never start talking about what I intended to. I mean, I'm supposed to say what the subject is the night before, but I've almost given up because we almost never end up talking about what I, I intended. Um, it's just that I put some pictures in the chat room of my friend's little pups. Her, her dog has just had a litter. Five teeny, really adorable chalkies, and I made the mistake of saying I'm really, really quite keen to get another dog, and that's where it all started and if this is just going to run and run and now we're talking about you know silly things our dogs have done um yes philip that that dog was a hysterically funny nightmare yes i think definitely some dogs are more um uh i'd like to say accident prone but it's not accident they just do cause a lot more trouble than others the great thing with a tiny dog is they can't push their weight around there are, in fact, limits to just how much trouble a very little dog can cause. Um, the only thing is, um, because ours was a sort of lockdown dog, we didn't buy him during lockdown, which is causing... By the way, um, the number of people who bought puppies during lockdown, which they then abandoned, is absolutely horrendous. But no, we, we didn't do that. Uh, we, 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 had, we had the puppy... He, he, he was about a year old, I think, by the time lockdown happened. But by the time lockdown had finished, he did not want anyone else in the house. He, he got very panicky if other people turned up. Lady Bellarmine, just got to work. See you all tomorrow. Have a wonderful day. And yes, indeed, see you in the chat room tomorrow morning. 
C-R-T-O-L. Oh, friend, I get it. I almost lost my left thumb when Mo was a puppy. I was training him at the pond with a long, long twine lead. I can see where this is going. Um, his buddy, the neighbor's dog, was on the other side of the pond, and off he goes, full bolt, off my feet I go. Twine takes meat off my thumb to the bone. Oh, by the time I was realizing what was happening, flat on my back, there he was leaning over me, licking me like, what are you doing down there? Mercy. Thankfully, my thumb survived. I have the scar to prove it. I couldn't be mad, big goof. Oh, gosh, that sounds so painful. I can almost feel it. Yes, I just, the clatter of that bin going down the road haunts my nightmares. And the thing is, I actually, I was so scared. I mean, my it was bad enough having to deal with my mother. My father was not home. So I went to a friend's house for the day so that when he got back, um, I, I wouldn't be there and she could tell him what I'd done or the dog had done. Uh, on my watch and I remember telling my friend what had happened expecting her sympathy and she laughed and laughed and I could still hear her laughing as well and she was I mean literally tears streaming down her face like that's the funniest thing I've heard in ages I can see why it was funny many many years later I could see why it was funny but oh my goodness at the time what a nightmare but yes dogs can suddenly do that to you um, I'm very glad I was not attached to the um, to the dog at the time because a dog that size when you're a child can knock you down pretty easily. Um, I do remember calling him and him running towards me and realizing he was running far too fast and shouting, stop, stay, stay. And he was far too excited to hear me saying that. And the next minute I'm flat on my back with the dog. Yes, a bit like that CRT over. So oh, what are you doing down there? Hey, you all right? It's like, you stupid dog, you knocked me down. That's why I'm down here. You know, cause and effect. No, no idea of cause and effect whatsoever if you are a Labrador. Um, so, yes, as you said, you just you can't be cross. You can't be cross for very long. They, they, they're so sweet. Um, there we are. You see, nobody has yet persuaded me that owning dogs, owning multiple dogs is a bad idea. I feel game, set and match has gone to me on this one. Um, and I, I will shortly um, yeah, see. Oh, well, yeah, that's what they do. They, they just there's and apparently. This is, this is absolutely true. Apparently, dogs have evolved to manipulate humans, to make themselves sweeter for humans. You know, the original dogs, I mean, they were wolves. They weren't the cute little things that we have living in our houses. But over the centuries, they have, in fact, their eyes and everything have changed so that they tug at the little heartstrings. There we go. Mike, are you there? Yes, with my dog. You have a dog? No, I, I don't I, have I, a dog. I knew you lost your dog, didn't you? I'm sorry about that. We've lost two dogs. One just ran away and never came back. We think no! A, yeah, we think an alligator got him. Oh, no, that's horrible. He was a, he was a uh, uh, alligator-sized tasty treat. And he did not like oh. to see him. And <laughs> He was a good watchdog because you couldn't get within 100 yards of the front door of, the, of this house without that, uh, without that dog... <laughs> Oh, that's so Losing sad. Losing it, going to the door and oh. <laughs> hair standing up on the back of his neck. Yeah. Oh, dear. How do so you go just, from just... to talking about 563,000 gallons of red wine spilling into the streets of a little town north of Lisbon in Portugal to a conversation about dogs? Well, this is the mad world that is the early show. I see that. Love about, yes. I um, hear I just... that. I put a picture of a puppy on there, and that was the end of it. I mean, there's no stopping everyone. No, you know what it was? It was Torres and his stupid dog cake. Mm. Oh, that was horrible. 
Yes. Um, he only does that to antagonize you. You know that. Oh, yes. He only does it to annoy because he knows it teases. <laughs> you know, Lewis Carroll? If you lived in the United States, I'd be, I'd be very concerned for your safety. <laughs> yes. You might, you might have a stalker or two. Oh gosh! What, 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 with with dog shaped cakes. With dog shaped you know? cakes and oh, all. <laughs> uh, oh, it's oh. funny. It's funny. Yeah. Well, in fact, now I'll tell why you what, didn't you tell me yesterday that and remind me in my stupidity, or in my lack of uh, of memory, that yesterday was the anniversary of the Muslim janissaries finally leaving Malta. After the siege, to... they let the September the 11th. Uh, I, I have the date here. Father Longenecker has a piece about it today. Uh, September the 11th, uh, 16, what was it? 1640. What was the siege of Malta? What was the year? 1565. 15, okay, September 11th, 1565. The, the, uh, the Turks, the Ottomans finally packed. Uh, recalled all of their Janissaries that remained from the beaches and what have you, and got on their ships and set sail back for the Ottoman Empire, having been defeated by the Catholic Knights and the others that so heroically defended the island of Malta. Um, I we were talking about other things yesterday, other September the 11th. <laughs> but, but I um, thought that I, I, uh, but I thought that all things Malta were important to you. Oh, absolutely! But it tends to be the 8th of September we remember. Oh, remember, remember the eighth of September. Yeah, as the as the <laughs> as the breaking of the siege, as it were. In fact, they packed their bags and went away. Um, but listen, I have I have to share something with you, Mike. Oh it's no! It's just popped. It's no, 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 no. It's funny. It's it's just popped up in my memory. The other thing, the other way, social media accounts ah. have these. So what happened happened on this day? On this day, seven years ago. Um, really love the harsh logic of children. We're at the ice rink with pop music blaring, and Francesca says, why are songs always about two men fighting over the same girl? I mean, why doesn't one of them just marry someone else? <laughs> <laughs> Seems to me to be impeccable logic. And, the, and, the, and, and this just popped into your uh, yeah. popped into your social media feed? Yeah, I, I happen to. I, I don't share moments like that anymore. They're getting a bit. Too, they're getting a bit too um, self-conscious. Why don't you just get it? Why don't you just go after some other woman? Yeah, it's sort of you know, but it's but harsh logic. But you know, well, there's no point well, in wasting your time. You know. Of course, now in 2023, you'd have to update that because she would say, "Why are two women always fighting over some woman? Why don't they just mm -hmm. go find another lesbian?" <laughs> Funnily enough, songs don't tend to be like that, though, do they? <laughs> <I'd> <laughs> it's say, it's the trope of the you know the unrequited love trope tends to be quite hetero. It's amazing that the Shakespearean dialectic still works five hundred years later. Uh, the, what should I just say? Uh, the, 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 the Shakespearean or the, uh, the, 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 the way Shakespeare wrote his tragedies, if you will, st that, they, mm. that they, they still work today. If you were to write the stories like Shakespeare wrote them, then you would probably, uh, you would probably do very well. Uh, if you were to make movies the way using a Shakespearean formula, uh, you probably would do very well. You know, KV had a piece out at the National Catholic Reporter, the uh, uh, Register, the other day. Almost said uh, uh, the distorter at, at the <laughs> Register about <laughs> AI taking over Hollywood 
and mm-hmm. maybe it wasn't such a bad uh, maybe it wasn't such a bad thing because screenwriters uh, and people that produce films and television shows have uh, by and large gotten lazy. There's no new ideas. I was going to say, would anybody notice? I think you would. Like, if you've seen AI generated, have you seen AI generated audio and video content? No, I've seen photographs though, which are quite convincing. Oh no, no, no! They can make videos now. They're called deep fakes. That's really quite frightening. Uh, Yes. they're now they are convincing to a point. If you Mm -hmm. if you really know someone, then they probably won't work on you. Like the uh, the girl, the lady that wrote the uh, the piece for the Wall Street Journal, uh, she let one of the Chat GPT companies. She let one of the, the two biggest ones make a uh, an AI version of her, and then they had it call family members of hers. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the AI called her father. Her father was in a conversation with chatting with the AI and then went, you're not my daughter. Uh-huh. She, no, 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 no. She she would have cracked two jokes by now. This is not, who is this? This is not my daughter. So he figured it out because he knew her well enough. So it, yeah. it is true that they, um, that, 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 you, that they, they're only as good as what you program them to do. Well, this is it. And I think with when it comes to impersonating somebody, I don't think that ever works because, I mean, you get this with, um, you know, when when people write e- you know, scam emails pretending to be from somebody, most people will work it out because they will know that that person never uses that turn of phrase or something. Um, but in Hollywood, would it matter? It's all fake anyway. Uh, right. And, and, and how many people would how many people would know? And, and even if they did know, would they care? Mm. I mean, they're all plastic anyway, aren't they? Hey, I will tell you though that it was a uh, it was a, a heroic moment for the uh, for the nanny Fran Drescher, who's now the president of the Screen Actors Guild, when the, the when the strike first got underway and they and they finished their first round of negotiations, uh, which weren't negotiations at all because the studios basically went, we're not giving you anything, take your humans and leave. We have robots now. We don't need you. <laughs> and she was like, this is, if you think this the, the, this doesn't matter to you, this AI war will ultimately come for you where you work. Which I believe, if modernity continues, that uh, Fran, uh, that the nanny was correct. And that in most places, many places, especially where, where there's any uh, possibility that something could be automated, it's going to mm-hmm. be automated. They're going to yep. robot you. Funnily enough, Mike, I have just been scammed. And how were you scammed? Uh, I mean, I didn't. It didn't didn't work on me. But just as we were speaking oh. about how you know, you know, you know, you know, when you get a message, a message popped up on my screen saying, claiming to be from Britain's TV license company. Over here, you have to pay a TV license. All right, the fee goes to the BBC. Okay. All right. I can tell straight away that this is not real. Because the first sentence reads, the TV license is about to expire. That's not good English. <laughs> if, if, it was the, if it was coming from the BBC, it would be your TV license is about to expire. And also they've spelled license the American way, not the British way. So you busted them on the fact that they had bad grammar. Yes. You, all right. So people <laughs> that are programming the, the chat GPTs. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> need to train them uh, using advanced grammar. But you know what? They may be. Uh, you may be. A, you're a rare exception, though. You're you're one of the few that would pick up on the on the poor grammar. Most people go, well, look, look, looks about right to me. Hey, man, man, we got to pay BBC bill. Yeah, I suppose. Well, I suppose they, they they count on the fact that even if only a small minority fail to notice, that's still quite a lot of people. Um, well, yeah, you, you you don't need to scam everyone. No. You only need to get a few. Mm. And then you go on no. to the next scam, and then you rinse and repeat, and then you write a new one. And then I get scammed all the time, too. I have never fallen for one because I'm just... Uh, I'm very suspect of anything that lands in my email box to begin with. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> and, and Paranoia is quite a good thing it sometimes. It is. Uh, and I employ all the blockers, uh, um, ad blockers, trackers, everything that I can when, when I'm using a browser. Um, I even click the boxes on Google and say, don't show me this ad ever again. And then when, when Google comes up, why? Why don't you want to see the the ad, Santa? Why? I say it's inappropriate and it's offensive. I always give the same answer. Because yep. if, if you want to get them off your back, just tell them that they offended you. Yep. <laughs> so, folks, that's a little tip. If you get a Google pop-up uh, ad... And it's got, and, and they should all have the do, uh, uh, the, I don't want to see this ad. A box. Mm-hmm. If you look closely, if you tick that little box, a little pop up window will pop up and uh, you can select why you don't want to see it. Uh, use the most egregious of reasons, which is it offended you. And it won't, and, 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 and when you refresh that page, it will not show it to you again. But, but, but I also have to tell you that, you know, you know e- even if you employ ad blockers and use the Brave browser, it doesn't matter. They still know everything I have bought online in the last. Last month, mm-hmm. I get spammed every single day. I, go, I already bought that, dude. Why are you hitting me with? I already bought it. Why do I need to see it? Wait, did I not buy enough? Well, this is the thing. My husband says it's actually a very bad algorithm because why would you advertise something the person has already bought? Exactly. Should, it should be you should have it so that um, you encourage them to buy something similar or something associated. Like for example. When I became a, when, when we signed up for and used the popular uh, guest hosting website, StreamYard. Mm-hmm. So we're already, we already pay for the highest quality level because that's what we do for our listeners. You know, the highest bandwidth that's available, you know, the pro plan, what have you. So I still, though, every day when I go to, if I go to YouBoob and I watch a video and it has ads activated, I am going to get hit. I guarantee mm-hmm. you with a StreamYard ad. And I'm like, I already have it. Yep. It's, inc- it's, it's insane. <laughs> it's such a waste. It is nuts. Mm-hmm. But, and, and on YouBoob, that's one of the places where you can't X out of the ad. And, you know, after it plays five seconds, you can get out of it. Right. Yes. It's, it's always, it always limits you, doesn't it? Um that drives me crazy because you can you can have um, sometimes when say I've got my little my little niece staying, I'll put music children's music, but then suddenly halfway through some ad will pop up really loud. Yes, you know, for Walker's Crisps or something. <laughs> and it doesn't know, and it doesn't care that it's children's music either. Yeah, completely. You have completely no. Random. That's right. It's not going to go. Oh, I don't want to offend the tender sensibilities of a child. Oh no, mm. it's going to serve. The- <laughs> if anything, it's going to figure out that it's a child and it's going to play something that you don't want a child seeing. 
Mm. Um, oh, um, <laughs> have you looked in the chat room, by the way? I have not. Yes, yeah, so about the different spellings. Um, yeah, I say about you know, li license being spelt differently. Um, Maggie, you you, you realise that your your wife was just talking about buying a new sh shower head and has three emails about shower heads. Uh, yes, if yes, no. This this happened last week. All you have to do is discuss something because yeah. the, the phones are now listening. It, isn't that, yeah. that 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 is really 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 amazing? Yeah. Scary at the same time. Where's Philip K. Dick when we need him? Um, we need somebody writing futuristic cautionary tales. <laughs> but the problem is, is that everything that Philip K. Most of what Philip K. Dick wrote about has actually come true. Have you ever heard of the? Here's something that you may entertain as a writer, or those of you that are writers. Do you have you ever heard of the term orthogonal time? Um, is this in the context of um, whether time travel is pre is possible because of um, kind of well, time travel actually uh, Dick's lin lin linear time as opposed to y yes or, is that or the idea? okay yeah. so okay, quickly and uh, uh, I, I, I enjoy these kind of little crosstalk sessions because uh, then I don't have to I don't have to host a whole show by myself so <laughs> quickly. It's on crusademax.com, site that nobody goes to, but you can go there today and you can go watch this video or listen to it with Phil K. Dick. So the theory of orthogonal time, as he explained, and I sat there and I listened to it, and he gave this talk in 1976 in France. And I went, my goodness, why, why hasn't anyone written a television, why is there no movie written about this? So let's pretend that you are on an overpass over a very busy freeway, okay? You were standing on the freeway, and two miles down the freeway, up the road, uh, you still have visibility two miles down the road. Yeah. Okay. You can see, because of what's going on down the road, you can see uh, what is happening pretty much in real time. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but the effect of what is happening that you can see two miles away won't get to you for another... Two and a half minutes or whatever. Yeah. So can you change what was going to happen from when you saw it to when it gets to you? Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. It's a little more complex than that. And yeah. I, you go watch. You should go do it. I think you'd find it interesting. Go to crusademax.com and search for Philip K. Dick and okay. watch it. It's a 40-minute long talk. No, I didn't cut it off in the middle of it, Schaefer. That's all they recorded because they ran out of film in the canister. So that's back in the day when you had to shoot film. You could only shoot a certain amount of, of Super 8 <laughs> in, in one canister. They ran out of film, didn't have a second canister, so it's all we get was the 40, whatever, the 39 minutes or whatever. Fascinating concept, though. So I'll leave you, uh, I'll, I'll leave you with that, and uh, I'll, I'll expect a full book report on that tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Hey, one word to say to you. Yes. Summons. Uh, well, it can't happen this week because I'm traveling. But when okay, I can, next when I, week, yes, next week. Read through next week. Summons. Right. Okay. It is 31 minutes past the hour. It's been my absolute pleasure to bring you the early show all the way from Chile, England. Don't forget to write to me at Fiorella at CrusadeChannel.com, and the chat room is open for your commentary and dog pictures at CrusadeChannel.com forward slash chat. I'll now leave you with the King Dude, Mike Church himself. You are listening to the Crusade Channel, live talk radio, the way it should be.